0: Welcome to the Actor's Wish Podcast. My name is Sara Hewer-Rahimova and I am an international actress, writer, and teacher. Today, let me be your scene partner. Let this podcast be your laboratory. And in this space, let your wish run free. I know you're ready to peel your layers, take risks, and open yourself to new levels of artistic discovery. Consider this your weekly dose of inspiration, technique and community where actors support one another. Together we can explore our wishes beyond the classroom, beyond the audition room, beyond the stage and the screen and cultivate a rich, vibrant, ongoing creative life. Let's turn down our brains, trust our bodies, activate our inner resources, and find joy in the process. Together, let's take the leap from actor to artist. Hello, 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 creative rebels, artists, actors. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so thrilled you're here. I think you're really gonna just bite into the juicy discoveries of this episode, so many words came to my head just in that moment, and I had no words. (laughs) So today we have a special guest, my previous teacher and translator and actor of the Ilcombe Theater and many other theaters, Tyler Palumsky, and our conversation was so robust, and rich. I mean, granted, I've had the most incredible conversations with all of our guests. Thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every guest for making this podcast what it is, and for all of you amazing listeners for carving out time, for inviting me into your earbuds and your hearts and your homes. And this conversation went over time I mean an hour over time so we are splitting it into two parts today you get part one with Tyler and we dig into so much we we it's, it's quite a journey, and I'm very excited for you to engage with these variety of concepts and topics and leaps and bounds, and I'm so eager to hear how it connects with you, what it moves in you, and I know Tyler is as well. So, a little bit about Tyler before we dive in. Tyler Palumsky has worked professionally as an actor, director, producer, musician, scenic designer, and teacher he found his true creative voice and artistic aesthetic studying acting and directing with the late Mark Weil at the Ilkom Theater in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. During his nearly 10 years in Tashkent, he became the first and only American to work in Ilkom's main ensemble, performing in the standing repertoire and touring with the group to Russia, France, Poland, Japan, and elsewhere. As a master teacher in the Ilkom Theater School of Drama, he taught acting, Michael Chekhov, Stanislavsky, Vachtangov, Grotowski, plastikas, physical improvisation and biomechanics, and elocution, English and Russian. As assistant master, he taught Lecoq methods, masks, clown, and buffoonery, fencing and acrobatics, voice and theater history. Since returning to Seattle in 2012, Tyler has worked with the Seagull Project, appearing in The Seagull, The Three Sisters, and The Cherry Orchard. He has taught with Freehold, presented workshops and masterclasses at the University of Washington, and taught and directed at Cornish College of the Arts. He joined Acropolis Performance Lab as an artistic associate in 2015, created the role of the bad angel for APL's production of Eke Faustus in 2016, and is Raskolnikov in Crime and Punishment in 2017 and 2018. Tyler prefers the long-form, ensemble-driven approach to the craft, such as is practiced by APL, which better reflects his roots in the Russian theater tradition. And that is exactly what we dig into today, the Russian theater tradition, the difference between systems, if it is at all possible for East and West to merge and what that merging point is. And oh, we are in pursuit of so many things, so much divine truth. And I'm so excited to dig into this. Be sure to... Reach out to Tyler, let him know what sparked in you. Be sure to take a photograph of this episode, tag both Tyler and I on Instagram. I will have those handles in the show notes. And again, we're on a video call, so I thank you in advance for your patience because sometimes... There's like sound things or, you know, I really beg you to lean into this episode because the switches in volume between our voices demand that you, that you turn on all levels of awareness. So without further ado, let us raise the curtain on this episode and welcome, Tyler. V'nimaŋnia. Macially. Enjoy. Welcome, Tyler. It is Hi, so Sarah. good to see you, it's so mm-hmm. good to see you and to feel the space between us, as you just said.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Uh... <laughs> we called We called upon the spirit of the theater before, before the call and you said it so poetically, it lives between us. So I think that's the perfect note to start this conversation on. And Tyler and I have a long history a deep connection, uh, but our listeners are getting to know you for the first time. So I'm hoping that you can take us on your journey of awakening as an artist, of finding yourself, of somehow landing at the Ilkhom Theater, of somehow living there for years and years and traveling and teaching all over the world and performing and coming back to the States. I just, we're ready to bite into your, into your journey.
1: Oh okay. Um try to try to aim for the shorter version of all of this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um so I I showed up in the Ilcom it must have been 2003. So 17 years it's been. Holy smokes. Uh that's, that's hard to believe. Um I kind of ended up there on a women of prayer. Um uh, you know, at the time, I was a student at the University of Washington in Seattle, an undergrad, um, also in the theater, um, you know, also studying other subjects on the side. I was in the journalism program, uh, but the theater always had an appeal. The theater always had an appeal in that it's maybe the only place you can really speak truth, um, not just the theater, but in the arts in general. Right. Right. Uh, I started in political science as a freshman at the University of Washington, and I did quite well. But uh, I quickly understood, I was like I do not want to be around this kind of thing. You know, like this is going to destroy my soul. Um, so I I popped over to journalism, uh, and journalism was better. But you know, you also understand that report on what you want, but at the end of the day, there's an editor and there's somebody paying for content and that situation's only gotten more complicated since then uh but you know time and time again in the theater I kind of just discovered that you know you can speak your truth Mm. this all led me to meeting with Mark Weil and ending up at the Ilcombe um and while I thought that I would be there for you know, a semester, uh, that semester turned into 10 years and <laughs> it was a very long semester. Uh, but the thing that really caught me and really kept me there and I would say changed my life, not just as an artist, but as an individual, uh, was the power of being able to speak that essential truth and to have the experience of actual freedom, you know. We talk about freedom a lot in a lot of different ways. Uh but, you know, in reality freedom still lives within some very specific boundaries. Uh one of the beauties of the stage, I think, is that at least for a short period of time those boundaries can be erased. You know, and And there we can touch some kind of naked truth, some kind of naked freedom, um, closer to what the Russians would call uh, istana. Yeah, and this is, this is like the, the holy truth or the divine truth, right? The cosmic truth. Um, They have another word for truth, of course, which is pravda. And that's like the subjective truth. That's like, um, it rained today. That's, Pravda, <laughs> but it, but it's not necessarily the cosmic truth, right? Or you know, there was a car accident on on Highway 100. Uh, it's the Pravda, <laughs> but but they make they make a separation. Uh, and so you know, after after a couple of weeks at the Ilcom, I understood right away that something was different there. You know, I was watching these actors on the stage that were incredible I've never seen anyone perform like this and mind you I didn't know the language you know I'm watching performances in a language I don't understand yet somehow I understood them better than I had understood watching actors at home um, that was miraculous to me and that started to speak of the true power of you know what is possible in the form that it's not just a matter of an idea it's the matter of a concept it's a matter of a deeper and more profound connection through energy right uh Mm -hmm. and you know i started to look at these actors and you know i start to get to know them and i remember asking one actor specifically um how old are you well he was a year older than i was at the time he had just finished the fourth studio um, talking about Farouk in the role of Muzaffar Fair in Shesli Nishi. And, you know, that blew my mind because I had spent all this time at the university of Washington and there were the folks in the master's program and they were all great, but they were a decade older than us. Um, you know, and I never experienced one of them able to hit me right in the core, like these actors were doing. Um, and so, so the allure of, of that, you know, became extremely enticing. And as I started to study their methodology, um, you know, it becomes more and more clear why this is the case. And I think that our intention is to kind of dig into that eventually. Right.
0: Yes. You yeah. Can, you can follow um, me right now. Whatever's <laughs> moving through you, I'm on the ride. Let's go.
1: <laughs> so, um, Well, you know that that's the kind of thing that just led me to this ten-year journey. And after, um, you know, after finishing my own studio, I immediately turned around and understood that, you know, I wanted to teach this stuff. Um, It's you know, it's one thing to do it for yourself, um, and from a sheer performance standpoint, that's enough. Uh, But when you start to Teach something to someone else; uh, it reaffirms and expands on your own knowledge of what you're doing. You know, it's it's a good test. Like, how do I really understand this? Um, you know, understanding something to a point where I can do it is great. Understanding something to a point where I can do it, but also get somebody else there and maybe beyond, um, that's even better. And we should make a distinction between, you know, what it is to just simply be an actor and what it is to also teach. Uh, it's not necessary to teach to be a great actor, but in, in my case, I consider it an integral and valuable part. And, um, you know, in the current times, it's one of the things I miss most. Um, I'm not, you know, I miss working on something with people and I miss getting out on, on the stage, but I also miss the opportunity to like work with young actors right now one day it'll come back
0: it will in full fervor (laughs) we're just we're taking a little hibernation
1: (laughs) that's okay bears do it and they're fine
0: exactly so you were a teacher an actor a translator
1: translator producer it's you know it it's ilcoma certainly one of these places where um there's opportunity to do a lot of different things um i i will say though like if i'm if i'm anything you know i'm a i'm a performer and i can teach um i'd be hesitant to call myself a director not that i can't direct something but you know in in my mind or perhaps, in the Russian mind, you know that's a different profession yeah. Um, yeah i I can maybe write something, but I'm not a playwright, right? Um, I can produce something, but I'm not a producer. It's not the main thing I do. Um, the
0: distinction is a little different there,
1: yeah, for sure i think I think there's a tendency here in the West where you know everybody's a a multi hyphened kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and you know i don't know if that's good or bad um my i guess the point i would make about that is like for any one of us we should just really know where it lives for us like what's our starting point even in day-to-day interactions uh you know i was having a conversation online with folks about this the other day and um i was talking to some folks that just love the ability to be able to write out their thoughts um you know on on social media forums and stuff like this and how that works so much better for them sometimes than communicating person to person. Uh, Cool, that's where their strength is. Um, Two of them were writers, so maybe that's not a surprise. I'm the opposite of that. Uh, I am, even sometimes speaking, I have so little concern for the content of what's being said. I'm more concerned with the ethos and the energy that's being shared. And I feel like that's where the real communications happening. And I feel like if that link is made, um, you know, we can, we can hammer out the nitty gritty details and the, <laughs> the semantics as we go. Um, but that, that definitely is an actor-centric kind of position. Um, but again, I think that points us back to, uh, you know, what, what is the theater? What does it survive on? What does it thrive on? What are the essential components? Um, and, um, you know, that that again kind of ties us back to the idea of how do we train for that?
0: I mean, everything you shared about your first sensations of ill I can definitely relate to that. Even when I saw them perform in Seattle, it was the first time... I'd ever felt that language was irrelevant and that there was language beyond language, that there was a, there was a different frequency of language. Not that language is irrelevant, especially at a place like the ilhom it's so highly elevated. It's, it's, it's revered in a sense, in a different way, the musicality of it, the rhythm of it, the intonations of it, uh, but it's that energetic communication that hooked me.
1: From the beginning. So, yeah. And I um, want to... no no continue. I'm just I'm reaffirming what you're saying. Oh. <laughs> I agree with
0: <laughs> you. We have <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> I, I'm
1: I'm actually, you know, I'm I'm interested to kind of hear your pointed questions. I think you know a little bit better about what your listeners uh maybe are wanting and needing to hear. So um you know I'm Yeah,
0: no, but I think I'm, too I I'm definitely
1: that. interested in your prompts. <laughs>
0: like letting you fly i am open like i do always have an agenda but i'm willing to (laughs) toss it in the bin and just go where we go uh i do remember we
1: we are we are from the same school so (laughs) i get the impulse yeah Um,
0: (laughs) you take it you take it to full fruition right we can't we can't dismantle the wish before it's fully developed Uh, (laughs) and then it gives birth to another one Uh, i wanted to go back to your roles at the theater. Yes, yes, you are an actor and a teacher, but also specifically in my lens, especially on my arrival, you were my translator and you were my main source of communication for so long. I mean, there were classes where I figured it out on my own, like in dance or plasticas. like I'd either get pinched or kind of pushed or, and I would figure it out. Uh, yeah
1: there's there's not a lot to translate with a right. with a physical you learn- subject like that right you
0: know. you learn- why,
1: once once you once you know you know this is my right hand this is my left hand this is my head shoulders knees and toes uh <laughs> the, the rest of it you ought to be able to navigate sure
0: exactly except what whatever position you're tumbling into I definitely had a few mess ups at that beginning. <laughs> but but with classes like A theater of history, culture, and mastery of acting and elocution, I simply couldn't have done it. Uh, And I wanted to touch upon the amazing alchemy you shared with the Eloquam professors, because it goes back to that notion of aligning on the same energetic frequency and knowing where the teacher is going before they fully say it and translating it in real time. It was an art form in itself to be able to hear something going in one ear, mid-translation somehow shifting in your brain, coming out in another language. All the while, it was it was it was incredible.
1: Well, so I'm, thank I'm, you. Um...
0: <laughs> no, I'm curious too how that how that developed because. I don't know if it's because you spent such intimate time together for three years in the studio, or if it's your unique relationships with each professor, but you had it with all of them and in different ways. Um, Um, But it was fascinating to witness and receive, be on the receiving end of it. And obviously giving, because I did ask questions sometimes.
1: (laughs) Sure. I, I, uh, I, I appreciate your appraisal. Um, it's certainly an exhausting process, right? Uh, it's information coming in, going out in a continuous loop. Um, and it definitely took a lot of energy. I would find myself pretty spent at the end of those early days with new students. Um, but, you know, what it comes down to is the concept of partnering, right? Something that we work on in um You know, in our study, uh, you remember doing these exercises where we're doing like wall to wall and we're lined up and we're moving in unison. We start to work to become one mind. We can turn, we can sit, you know, all of this. Um, Essentially, it's the same concept, right? It's tuning into another person, tuning into the space and the time, being in the moment, and you know, being relaxed enough to let all of the energy and all of the thought and all of the world and the universe just kind of flow freely through you. Um, in order to get there, of course, there's a rigorous technical preparation that has to take place. Like, this is how, <laughs> this is how training works. This is kind of how, you know, learning and experience works. Uh, when we're watching a professional sports uh, event, right? Athletes aren't strongly analyzing what they're doing in the moment of competition. They're just doing, you know, there's also a kind of like uninhibited freedom um, in that, uh, you know, where for, a, for moments, human potential is just unlocked. But in order to get there, the volume of work that has to take place, uh, the amount of discipline um, the amount of focus that has to take place so that we can have those moments—that's uh, immense, right? So, um, so you know, a lot of this just comes from continual experience of doing so. Uh, but, but, it, but, it, but it is it is employing it is employing the basic uh, you know principles of what we do on the stage. Mm-hmm. We were just doing it in the classroom and the forum and that. Case happened to just be translating information um it got exceptionally interesting in moments where you know we'd be sitting and you know let's say Boris or marina were giving some information and at the same time you know i'm i'm a millisecond behind them uh, and you're right. Anticipating where we're going, uh, knowing your subject matter certainly helps. Uh, but there'd often be times where you know I'd pick up on one of their thoughts, continue that to you, and then I'd have to reverse and translate that back to the you know to the Russian students. Um, uh, it was a beautiful thing. It felt good. You know, it's it's the kind of it's the kind of commune and the kind of concourse when we talk about what is communication Um, Mm -hmm. you know for me it's it's the ideal it's it's open it's free-flowing uh it's it's receptive it's inclusive uh beautiful but all all the all the tools are are tools of the theater Mm
0: -hmm. you know what i mean i don't
1: i don't feel like that that specific quality of our experience is able to be separated from the same things we're learning for the stage
0: Absolutely. I have such simultaneous joy and heartache talking about all this because I feel transported to specific moments and I get Mm -hmm. that nostalgia but then I also get fired up again. Uh, It holds this kind of polarity for me where in one moment you're saying something and I'm going to cry and then the other one I get so excited I'm throwing the paper everywhere. Uh, I'm going to return back to translation because we were born in the west we were raised in the west we had this phenomenal soul opening training in the east and now we're back here and at times i still find myself floating in between i don't Mm -hmm. know if i'm there i don't know if i'm here I don't know if I can make the bridge or not, or if, if, one, if one side takes over isn't the right word, but, or if I'm making something entirely new. Uh, so I want to touch upon your experience of paving the pathway from West to East and East to West, because it's so many fundamental differences, not just in training, but of the spirit of a way of life, of thinking, of feeling, of expressing, of connecting. Uh, and I definitely found a dissonance coming back for years. And I, I think slowly now I'm gaining my footing, but I, at times I still feel a little lost. So I wanted you to share your experiences about that.
1: Um, well, first I can say you're not alone. Uh you know uh after having had both experiences uh there's there's a little bit of a sense of not quite fitting anywhere um you know i i often am in a situation where i just totally feel like some kind of mutant (laughs) and uh and you know that that comes and goes uh I, I feel like maybe we need to define East and West a little bit more clearly though. Uh, West seems to be a little bit more obvious. We're talking about, um, modern Westernized countries, cultures, uh, with a more or less unified history or vision, uh, democratic, uh, capitalistic, right? West, uh, East gets a, I think, a little bit more vague for folks. Um, you and I know what we're talking about when we talk about east, yeah. uh, but you know, east starts to get vague. Um, so, where is east? I'm going to ask you questions. Where is east?
0: Let's hone in on Russia and Central Asia because
1: Russia I and Central like Asia. East Asia. Sure. South so we're Asia. we're talking Eastern Hemisphere. Um, but eastern hemisphere is is a huge and wildly diverse place right uh
0: but i would say that prevalent arms in both places so that's also i guess one weird commonality
1: (laughs) it's it's a thing yeah um (laughs) uh you know shaking the uh shadow of colonialism off off the planet still going to take some time that's a very different conversation though not to say it's unrelated um we we'll probably have to come back to this um you know but we have the far east right far east asia and far east asia has a lot of differentiation in it and then there's southeast asia which is very much its own thing and then there's south asia which is a very different thing And then there's the Middle East, which is a very different thing. And then there is Africa, which in many ways is also East. Um, Parts of it feel very East. And then there is Russia, which is a little (laughs) bit West and a little bit East and a lot of Russia. (laughs) And then there's Central Asia, which is kind of a mess of all of it, Um, which is where we were. right? I always... uh, I'm always, my skin crawls a little bit when I hear people use the, the term Oriental, uh, because I have this feeling like people don't even know what they're talking about. But having lived in the actual Orient, <laughs> I really know what it's about. And um, it is that mix of all of these places, mm. all of Asia and Europe, anywhere that you could walk to, ride a horse to, pull a cart to. Uh, where they all kind of crossed right it's it's around it 's the Orient and this is Central Asia uh, in unexpected melting pot in the middle in the middle of the east, a crossroads right uh, and it's no it's not a matter of chance that you know um, mm-hmm. Uzbekistan where we were at happened to be you know in the crossroads of the Silk Road right. Mm-hmm. And this brings all kinds of world experience and cultural experience and historical experience that you know eventually kind of settles and mixes in this place. Um, but when we're talking about the East, we're we're very much talking about this. Um, and when we're talking about Eastern methods as far as acting goes, you know what what we're kind of talking about is the the more Western parts of the Russian experience intermingling with some of the old world sensibilities of that greater Asia experience. Mm. Uh, I mean, does that sound like a fair enough definition when we're talking about East?
0: <laughs> yes, I think so, because even the birth of the ill home follows that kind of amalgamation (laughs) like (laughs) yeah you're right theater in the middle of central asia and how did it get like you know and well
1: this this was you know one of the uh one of the main curiosities and kind of lines of thought that our master Mark Weil was always in pursuit of as somebody who was very much an international person um, as somebody who simultaneously lived in uh, you know, Central Asia and Uzbekistan, but also in the United States um, and also traveled the globe um, you know, his curiosity and pursuit of this, meeting of east and west uh was continuous throughout you know throughout his life and his work
0: i'm happy you touched upon mark because
1: you can't talk about this without talking about (laughs) without talking about mark i
0: i talk about it in a in a sense of i mean i never got to meet him personally we were the first studio after his untimely death uh and so even hearing you or Duran, another American student who studied in Tashkent, who's still there, uh, hearing those little anecdotes, hearing those interactions, it was just mythical. It was, it, it was wonderful. So I'm just happy we've ended up here. And
1: Yeah. Well, one, I remember we were working on the production. Uh, I think it was when we were working on flights of Mashrab, um, which it was a production that essentially took uh, the music and the story of Mozart and the idea of Sufism specifically centered around this uh, Dervish character Mashrab and went like this, right? This is something that was created specifically for, for a festival. Um, But I remember working pretty closely with him on this production uh, I had the good fortune to you know be in charge of making the supertitles uh okay. and overseeing that process um so I had the good luck to be like inside the process peering over his shoulder as he's putting this together um, and you know one of the conversations that we were having was about this meeting of East and west you know this was this was one of the kind of late motifs of the whole production, but also of Mark's body of work. Uh, And I remember he had mentioned a quote by Kipling, and I will paraphrase it because I don't know it exactly, but um, to the extent that, uh, you know, the East and West actually can never meet, you know, and Kipling was writing about this a century before almost. Um, And, you know that that was the big, that was the big question that I think was on Mark's mind a lot of the time, and certainly the question that's on our mind. And um, I think it speaks to your quandary uh, about: Am I here? Am I there? Um, is it possible for these these two very kind of different approaches to perceiving life? to meet and to cross and to coexist or to unify, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this seems to be the endless search.
0: <laughs> I mean, you really have to dig deep below the surface and and perhaps it, it's something that can't be reconciled, but I think something that I feel, and I'm returning to your idea of, not idea, but the concept of istana, of divine mm-hmm. truth, cosmic truth. I've had the privilege of working on many projects here or creating my own or ba blah, blah. blah. Uh, but regardless, if it's a background on set or if it's a, I don't know, a, a whole piece on the stage, if I don't connect with that east enough, i can't do the work and sometimes i have to conjure it in myself find my own route if it's not in the work or not in the piece or not in the space i mm-hmm. have a very visceral reaction to its absence because i know that truth
1: i i do understand that yeah i've had the same experience certainly a yeah, visceral reaction uh <laughs>
0: Where it's like i i don't i can't and it's not it's not at all to say to shame or to dismiss what others are do. like we all have different methods we all have different things we're creating and that's so important it's a diverse realm we want people to be doing different things but i for my journey and growth and development that is key
1: yeah um <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm with you on that I have had, you know, moments where I thought I was going to explode in in the absence of that. Right? Yeah. Uh, I get it. Um, you know, if if this concept, though, of and of some greater, more universal truth certainly exists, then that would imply that uh, the w- West and East can meet. Right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it this is not been done yet.
1: <laughs> this is this this was you know the the pursuit in this concept with Mark, it was the, the never ending search for where this crossover was. Right. Mm. Um, it, in some ways, you know, uh, the places where I felt this happening most were always in moments of collaboration mm. um, in the studio was a great example because suddenly we have students from different poles of the earth together coming from very different points of view and you know working towards one thing together right um and this is where this felt like it's happening really harmoniously um also in instances where you know we might have a a guest come in to work on a production for example uh there was a gentleman, uh, David Raciev, He was a choreographer out of Los Angeles, um, UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. And he worked on Ecstasy with the Pomegranate. And at first, I was wondering, like, why do we have American choreographer coming to teach like ancient Uzbek traditional dances? But you know, it it worked and it worked beautifully and the way that the actors and the choreographer responded to each other and the way that they started to unlock this ancient, you know, form of dance that was a mystery to all of them. uh, It was pretty incredible. Um, I don't know if the, I don't know if there would have been a difference if you would have just brought a master who knew these dances in to do the choreography. Um, But you know, there's a a little bit of magic starting to happen when we start to crack those nuts open together. Yeah, and so and, and so in the in these moments of collaboration, you know, that's when I always felt most uh, this merging of East and West, and when these when these you know very obvious cultural and ideological and philosophical differences you know, start to kind of transcend themselves and speak to a more, well, you know, a greater kind of human potential, right?
0: Also, sometimes when, when you're that removed from something, there's a clarity offered. Like perhaps the way he entered the scene was, I just, I, can, I know it, I feel it. Somehow, somehow it moved through him, but I, I distinctly remember the movement, that evocative movement in that show. That's a beautiful story. See these, these conversations are so great. I'm still learning. It's still unfolding.
1: Ah, well that's I'm still learning too. You know, I like these conversations as well because uh, you know, like I was poking at earlier, like doing it is one thing. Understanding it to a point where you can convey it to another person is a different thing. Um, and speaking like this allows us to kind of continued to digest all of these things Um,
0: that's a wonderful example and I think that's a testament to Mark I mean there's so many about the way he thought to bring worlds together and in such a unique way I've never I have yet to meet a similar not similar but a spirit of of someone who can who can make that kind of shift because he did make cosmic shifts and we still feel the reverberations
1: yeah um i <laughs> i have also yet to and um you know i don't want to sound pessimistic but i i understand that i probably won't again um you know uh in our modern time, I think we throw around this uh, word like, "Oh, that's genius." Um, in general, we use words. Uh, it's genius. It's amazing. It's, and we kind of throw these words around without uh, necessarily having that kind of respectful commune with what they actually mean. Um, but you know, why was it genius? You know, and when you actually physically butt up against that, um, you know, it's it's pretty humbling. <laughs> you really start to. <laughs> you know, you you can see and feel the the differentiation in level, level of thought, level of expertise, level of know-how. And, you know, it's just not something that we encounter all of the time.
0: I think one of his greatest gifts, and this is from my own sensations, because again, I've never met him, but I've met him. It's one of those things where I know him, but I've never met him because I've lived in his theater, in his body of work, in his, his teachers, in his artists, in his school. Uh, but it's cultivating spaces of resonance. He's particularly skilled uh, in multiple levels from the school to the stage to around the world. And I think our task isn't quite the right word but I think that's a big thing I am searching for myself as a person and as an artist are creating spaces of resonance. And perhaps that can be the bridge.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, this kind of visceral, visceral reaction to the absence of this concept of East and um, the. That, that to me, also ties to this idea of resonance. Um, you know, it's, it's great to tell a story. Um, it's better when you tell a story and somebody walks out of there and that story is now a part of their DNA. Mm. And to make that leap from, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, oh, that was a good story, I get it here, to I got it here and I don't know what to do with it um there, there's a, a different power in that right uh, when we talk about uh, the east the eastern experience of theater um in general uh the russian school of theater um has had a greater effect on me in that way than than what i get access to here in the west
0: Do you think it's because it's so specific to Russian ethos and mentality and movement of the spirit or discipline or training methodology or mixture? Uh, Because I I distinctly remember uh, some of the teachers would always say, you know, the American students come and they're so much more organic, but- Uh which I think is a wonderful quality to have. And I'm, I'm thankful that we are given space to, find, to be that. And I think that's also a nod to the democratic societies we grew up in. We were allowed to be, to a certain extent, <laughs> we're allowed to be and express ourselves. Where, from what I understood from others' experiences in the East, it's not always so. Uh, there's, it's more contained. You don't put it all out there.
1: Yeah, um, and there's there's a couple qualifiers I think we should attach to that. Um, certainly that was the experience. Anytime American students showed up, uh, they were always instantly more organic. Um, we should also point to the fact that all of those students had come from some kind of theater-based study in the States, right? Um, and I think that the American theater, at least, and maybe we can generalize that to say the Western theater, has gotten very good at helping people be organic, mm. giving them permission to be very real. Um, and we see this working brilliantly all the time. I mean, pull up, pull up uh, any of your streaming accounts, find a good series or a good movie, and you're gonna see a lot of actors doing some really honest, natural, organic work. You know, um, when I watch older shows, you know, I see a lot of like really false tone happening. Um, when I watch newer shows, I see, I see a lot less of that. You know what I mean? Um, things that beyond that work for me or don't work for me, but there is a kind of base level of just really organic existence in front of the camera. Um, put a pin in that because we probably need to touch on what what that looks like on the stage as well um but but what i'm getting at is that the western schools have been really good at teaching that and they've put a lot of in my experience there's a lot of emphasis on that Mm -hmm. um and and so us you know coming into this new space um We had we had a leg up on this kind of being organic, and probably there are some cultural things to it, right? Um, We do come from a society that encourages us or allows us, uh, again, within some boundaries, to feel this kind of sense of freedom and self.
0: you know, your religion or race or <laughs> all <Yeah>. those things. <laughs> um,
1: if we look at the students, the local students, you know, in, um, in the Ilkom, well, they're coming from a background that is post-communism and uh, they're coming from a place where, uh, you know, this kind of, there's a certain degree of baked-in conformity. Um, that's not to say that they're all a bunch of, like, conformists. That's certainly not the case. Uh, but, you know, there's a little tinge of that. Mm -hmm. um it's it's inevitable it's part of their culture um just like just like for us there's a little tinge of this idea of like rugged individualism yes you know what i mean and these are one of the places where you you start to really feel the contrast um between learners uh one of the things that the uh local students that you know a, a young person in a in a russian studio um has a leg up on beyond us is that they're much more able to engage each other initially than than any of us were always you know there's a there's a certain uh kind of <laughs> egocentricity baked in coming from our side um that that for a while is a little bit of an inhibitor um, you know and this will sound totally cruel to, uh, any academic listening from the Western side, but you kind of have to break that. You kind of have to break that out of a, out of a student in order to help them further. Um, I've seen, I saw this with, n- not just with you, I've seen it with, um, you know, the current students studying at the Ilcom. I saw it with the, um, American students before you, we experienced it with ourselves. Um, But early on in the process, uh, you know, well, as we're asking students to just be neutral, be a blank slate, you know, uh, the kind of pushback that we're getting early on. I can't be an individual. What? Yeah. You know, the. The the local students, the students coming from the you know Russo Eastern side, or just like okay neutral, um, for us suddenly you know this was like an ideological battle to be fought my individuality, <laughs> and and you know the 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 piece that took us all a while to grasp onto is uh, in order to be part of the collective. To be part of the group so that we can start to tune into each other we have to let that ego go we have to strip that off mm-hmm. um and you know a big part of doing that also is that quite often who we perceive ourselves to be what we perceive our individuality to be is something that we've kind of collected and pasted onto ourselves without really processing it mm-hmm. um Eventually we get back to individuality. You know, we get to this myself in given circumstances. And now we're like, okay, you want to be an individual. Let's really see who you are. Uh, you know, go ahead and cut yourself open and look in there and root around in there. Uh, it's unpleasant. Yeah. Well, this this is the this is the path to like really, <laughs> really finding yourself. Um, I don't have to tell you that it's uh you know it was probably the most complicated, <laughs> most uncomfortable, uh, most harrowing period of the process. Um, you know that's that's one of those things where if somewhere being organic is working in our favor, somewhere this idea of uh, you know our our perceived individuality, our perceived, you know personal, what have you, that's something that was in our way. Um curious enough, uh, you know, when we start to look at the way acting methods have kind of spread around the globe, and there are a lot of methods. Yes. There's plenty of methods. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of of a mind that there's no right one or wrong one, um, but I'm also kind of of a mind that there's no one. Yeah. yeah. I'm of a mind that kind of have to be in search for the thing that speaks to you and works for you now there are certain basic elements that you know you can't deny there has to be a development of the physical self the mental self and the spiritual self in order to really get there um, but you know if we look at like probably the most common baseline people talk about is stanislavsky Right, that's kind of become the default method for moving moving the actor forward. Um, but, you know, you can't stop at Stanislavski. After Stanislavski came, Voktangov and Meyerhold and uh, Michael Chekhov. And, um, you know, beyond them, you know, we have... People like Peter Brook, um, you know Suzuki. Uh, there's all of these different masters that have contributed something. Grotowski. Um So, so the method is constantly progressing mm-hmm. as we, as we, as a general humanity are moving forward through space and time. Uh, a method is moving forward through space and time too. You know when you, when you kind of understand where these methods are coming from, how one thing has led to another um, and how other pieces can fit beautifully into this uh, and supplement it and accentuate it. You can really create a program that is working for actors. Right. And this is, this is the strength of, uh, you know, the Russian influence, the Eastern school, Uh, that they understood you know here's a continuation we're just continuing to explore and experiment with the knowledge of the last century that that we know about right um we're continuing to build in we're ready to adopt we're ready to adapt something um but we're keeping target on where we're going like what are we trying to get the what place are we trying to get the young artist to so that they can blossom Mm -hmm. and uh what i what i often find in the west is that you know these these uh methods while they're you know known uh it's it's kind of like going to a salad bar follow this metaphor you go to a salad bar and there's all kinds of things to choose from and it's like i don't really want beets i do really want sunflower seeds uh here's seven different dressings uh, I like this one, not that one. You know what I mean? Like, So you're, you're kind of picking and choosing at random things that you like, things that will make you happy and fill your belly. Um, it's a comfortable place to be. Uh, in the other side of the world, you know, the Russian school is telling us, mm, you know, have a seat. Here's a napkin. Here's a fork. Here's two spoons. Here's your first course. We've we've created this first course. Here's a second course. You know, here's a third course. Here's a little appetizer. Here's a little treat. Here's the main dish. Here's a drink. Here's dessert. You know, we're we're having <laughs> a meal that has been curated, thought about, uh, where the things complement each other and one thing leads to another. There's a certain degree of planning in it. Um, that has been done with purpose to get us to a point of it's real satisfaction right yeah. uh, and and these are these are the big differences if i can use that metaphor these are the big differences be- between the kind of training that i see mm. um, so this uh, we talked a little bit about like the second semester at ilcom myself in given circumstances this is a pretty integral part of you know the kind of baseline stanislavski to check off and adjacent process that kind of is the main vein of uh acting around the world you know uh in the west this idea of myself in circumstances i've never encountered it i've i've never seen it encountered it's it's always kind of skipped um other pieces are truncated and again, kind of like a salad bar where we're piecemealing things together. Um, but, but that piece, uh, curiously, is skipped. And I always have felt that that is integral. Um, I think part of the reason it's skipped in, for example, in an academic institution, I don't know how I could uh, earnestly lead somebody to that place, uh, given the limitations of academia currently, that atmosphere. Um, there is a kind of just honesty and openness uh, that is not always pretty, right, that in that process that, um, you know, I just don't know how it would fit in, in the Western academic model. And then that's not to say that it's uh, destructive or abusive or anything like that. It's only to say that it recognizes the essential dichotomy of of our existence, that there is good, but there is also bad. Yeah. There is beautiful, but there is also ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have life, but we also have death, and all of these things are essential parts of each other, and to look at them both means that we can really understand and appreciate them both right uh it's really hard to have a true appreciation for beauty if we haven't experienced ugliness right because there's nothing to contrast it with it be- ceases to mean anything
0: Absolutely.
1: and you know when we start to do that with ourselves that's a hard process when i have to step away from this idea of my rugged individualism and my own personal freedom and my own self-assuredness and my own ego and i have to start to look at where am i a scoundrel you know where where am i lazy where am i mean um when have i been this why was i this uh and admit you know that's part of me uh that's hard
0: and not just before yourself, before your classmates and your
1: professors, well, yeah, and we're we're asking we're asking people to do this in our it's a very safe space, right? Because we've gone through this process of working to become one mind and working on having this commune and developing a space of trust. Uh, and that that doesn't always mean that that is we're all hunky-dory you know there's this kind of summer camp mentality that you get often when you do things like this like oh this has been so great we're going to be friends forever and then like you never see people again you know what i'm talking about um that's that's a really western kind of thing <laughs> um, I, I i do appreciate people's enthusiasm but but there's something like inherently dishonest about that uh, not not even to each other to ourselves to ourselves um And, you know, in the Russian studio, they create a space where that's, that's not what's happening like, sometimes you're in a really bad way and you're in a really bad way there with everybody. And sometimes you don't see eye to eye and sometimes, you know, tempers flare up because we're humans. Uh, But we deal with it and we deal with each other. Um, There's, there's some kind of honesty in that. And that kind of honesty in the long term serves us in the theater that kind of honesty with ourselves like where again where am i a scoundrel right where am i not great where am i not perfect uh and to be able to look at that honestly and earnestly that opens a greater realm of possibility for us on the stage and and that it's it's that kind of freedom and it's that kind of truth which allows us to push something towards that idea of uh, what was the word you used earlier? We were talking about reaching that, that resonance, right? To be resonant, you have to speak to a deeply human experience and the human experience is messy. It's muddy. It's ridiculous. It's brilliant. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's all of these, it's all of these things. Um
0: I could continue this conversation all day and I'm literally no, I... <laughs> taking your, I'm taking the pin. Well, I'm so thankful to our listeners because it's about it's about an hour now and I still have some questions for Tyler. Uh um, yeah, sure I want to put a pin in this though, because I feel like we're just digging in and then it's like coffee break <laughs> or tea break because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh... <laughs> <laughs> you you know um, what I
1: that's that's what happened i I know what you mean we can we could talk and talk um and and at the same time you know what what would be even more valuable to understand any of this would be to get in a room and to do and to do and to do
0: to do, to do, to do. Yes, that is the ideal, to be in a room together and to be doing. This is where we will stop for today. Next week, we'll have part two. And because we're stopping mid-conversation, what is what is our speech for the stage this week? Let us take to do, do to, to do. Let us take the beautiful T and the beautiful D. We have our English vowels, A-E-I-O-U. Vinimania, attention. Naturally, begin. Te, ti, De, di, do, Te, de, ti, to, do, Wonderful. We will catch you for part two next week. Simply can't wait. Thank you again so much for being here. This podcast is what it is because of Entonces, exactly um, okay. you. Much love. Take care of yourselves. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me and pressing play on yourself today. If this episode resonated with you, be sure to share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. We are building the ensemble so the more people who see it, the more rich and diverse our collective will be. If you're looking for extra inspiration, come find me on Instagram, at Sarabanda. I am so eager to connect, and I'll be ready with a new task for us to explore next week. In the meantime, enjoy the process. Just remember to lead with your wish.